0: Welcome to Round Rock Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening. If you're in the Austin area, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday at 8.30 or 10 a.m. Or you can check us out and watch online at roundrockchurch.us. May God bless you as you seek Him, and may He use this message to give you exactly what you need. Morning, church. I'm reading this morning from Acts 2, 42 through 47. praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Thank you. Good morning, church. Looks like the worship team is done today. They're like, we are done singing, we are out of here. Oh, I see you, Tim Beckett. Yeah, no, I see you. Hey, if uh, you have a Bible with you this morning, man, I'm in so much trouble for calling out worship team. Uh, If you have a Bible this morning, I'd encourage you to turn to that passage that was just read. That is Acts 2. Uh, We'll be starting in verse 34 this morning. Uh, I want to start with something that we will keep talking about as this series goes. And it is this intentions do not always lead to our desired destination. Our intentions do not lead to our desired destination. I have a family member who works for the state, and he tells a story of uh, fielding a complaint that is one of my favorite stories that he tells. It basically goes like this. Uh, At one point, he receives a phone call from someone, and this man is very angered. He uh, is requested to show up before the justice of the peace, and he is at the location. He has called my family member, and he goes, I am very upset mainly because I'm here and no one knows what I'm talking about. So my family member kind of steps it back a little bit and says, okay, you know, tell me, tell me like some of the landmarkers for you getting to this place to make sure you are where you should be. And as he starts to describe it, my family member realizes very quickly, he's not, he's not at the justice of the peace. After he researches a little bit, as this man is just going on and on and on on the phone, He realizes and breaks the news to this man by saying, sir, I have some terrible news to tell you. You're not at the justice of the peace. You are at justice, the preteen girl's clothing store. That's why no one knows what you're talking about. Dead silence is on the phone for a minute as the embarrassment wells up and the man goes, that just wasn't what I intended whatsoever. And that's the thing, our intentions do not lead to the desired destination as always. Now, we as a church have said we have a desired destination. We want to be a church that lives love. Now, here's a tricky thing about us being a church that lives love. Living love is not a destination in a sense of a location. It is a way of being in our life. And the being that shows us that love is not like some cute phrase we see on Facebook of how we define love. We take our cues from King Jesus, who embodied and showed us love. So to be people who have the love of Jesus flow out of us, we have to be with Jesus, we have to learn the being of Jesus, and we also need to practice the way of His love with us. And intimacy with Jesus does not just come from intentions, but it comes from our decisions as well. Think about it this way. When a pilot is wanting to fly from one long location to another location, say that they're trying to go from the east all the way to the west, you do not just as a pilot, enter in your intended coordinates and sit back and wait for the plane to take you to your desired location. A pilot, as they move about, as they navigate the airways, they have to be looking for traffic that's coming. They have to change to the atmosphere. They have to rotate all the knobs. I don't know what the knobs do, but the knobs are very important and they have to move them all the time. There are things you have to change and navigate to get to your desired location. And what I'm here to tell us is that over the past two years, the atmosphere of your life has changed. For some of us, we may have even encountered turbulence in our lives. Maybe we had intended ways that we were going to grow relationship with God. And honestly, over the past two years, those things have just kind of been thrown out. I don't know what it was for you. Maybe you thought, you know, I'm going to start praying more. And then life just kind of happened. Maybe you were like, you know, I'm going to start a reading plan. And I'm going to keep that reading plan going. Which, by the way, peace be with you. If you are no longer on that reading plan because it died in Leviticus, that's okay, okay? Leviticus is where reading plans go to die, okay? That is a real thing, okay? I don't know what it is you may have desired or thought with increasing your life or intimacy with Jesus, or maybe you're considering Jesus for the first time. Maybe you got to that place where you're like, maybe I should ask some bigger questions about life. But that's as far as you've gone. Life with Jesus. one decision that is backed up by a thousand small decisions and in the next couple of weeks as a matter of fact seven of those weeks we're gonna start a series called here's how which each week is a very practical decision you can make to grow intimacy with Jesus so we all together be people who live love together we're calling it here's how because at the end of every sermon we're gonna try and make it as practical as possible of how you can love and be loved and exclude love like Jesus now the first thing that we're gonna start with today is very much starting where the book of Acts starts acts is just this book that talks about how do Jesus people respond to the news of Jesus. And Luke, who writes this book, tells us that anyone responding to Jesus has to do this one thing in the very beginning. And it's what you just heard read in that passage. If you look at it, all the believers were together and they had everything in common, then jump down to verse 46, and every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Every follower of Jesus in the beginning of Acts meets and gathers. Here's a simple way to put it. Faithful followers faithfully gather consistently. For the early disciples of Jesus, this was a no brainer. This was something that they needed to be able to do. I want to talk today about what does it practically look like for you as a disciple or someone that's considering the pathway of Jesus? To be together with God's people. Now, if I were to flip you through all of Acts, Acts would be this very long, complex, really riveting story with the spirit going on there. And as you'd walk through the story, you would notice that people are together, but it is uber complicated as they are together. There are challenges that they face. When I think of us today, I think of us having challenges as well as we face. If we put a pin in just the reality of the past two years with COVID, have been the weirdest for churches across the board. If we just take that and we put that on a shelf, there was something in the water, even before COVID or this pandemic happened, that there is less of of a priority to gathering than how the early Christians used to gather. There's one study that was done by Barna that I think is very helpful. They just asked Americans the question. They said, okay, all right, be real with us okay your grandma's not listening be real with us why are you going to church less why and when they got honest feedback of why these were the three most consistent Americans said as far as why they don't get together as much the first was need. the second was preference the third was hurt need as in saying if I'm being really honest, I'm not sure I need a gathering like this. In a world of streaming, in a world of podcasts, in a world where everything's on demand, this this all this kind of feels a little outdated. That was one response. The second response was preference. I know none of us feel this whatsoever, uh, but maybe you don't go to church because you're like, man, it's not really how I prefer it to be, okay? like. The preacher, Mm, he's kind of everywhere. The worship, Mm, I'm not sure about it. They said the second thing of why people wouldn't go to church is because it's just not how I prefer it to be. The third one was hurt, and this one seems like the most understandable to say, I had a really bad experience, or I had something growing up that really just made coming to church hard. These were the three things that people said This is why it's hard for me to get together with God's people. And today in the book of Acts, I just want to highlight three things that I think respond to these three. And some of them are so valid of why you may ask the question of why do I need to be together with other believers? I want to let Acts reveal to you those three things. And here's what's summed up in that passage that you just heard. Being together matters because it is this organic, natural way that you get closer to Jesus in these three ways. That early followers got together to repeat God's words. They got around God's people and they got around God's table. And that's why being together mattered. Now, let me try to move us through these three God's word on the first one. When early Christians would get together, and you even see it reflected in this passage of Acts, they would get together for teaching, they would get together for singing, and they would get together to actually rehearse the psalms. They would say these words over and over and over again. Why getting together matters is because this is the place where you speak words that existed before you ever existed on this planet. That you speak of people who have been searching and finding for God way before you were ever here. Think about it this way. Church was never meant to be a downloadable experience. It was not. You are in this room today because either a neighbor or a friend or a family member or a disciple from way, 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 way. You get the point way, way, way back. Shared the truth of Jesus and shared intimacy with Jesus and shared it with someone that you knew or down your lineage or someone that was close to you. It was always meant to be something that was transferred from person to person. There is no self-selecting when it comes to life with Jesus. We need everyone to be able to show us what a full life with Jesus looks like. Let me see if I can drive this point home. First service was all about this example, so let's see. All right, I'm going to count to three. Okay, it's going to get bold. I'm, I'm getting vulnerable. I'm going I'm to put it out there. I'm going to count to three and I want us to say our ABCs, okay? All right, I know some of you don't like me. I get it, I get it, okay? All right, I'm going to count to three and we just go through them real fast. All right, you can close your eyes if you're like, this is ridiculous. I can't believe we're doing this. All right, one, two, three. A, B, B C, D, E, F, G, mm. H, I, J, A, yep. L, M, N, O, B, Such passion. How'd that feel? <laughs> feel good? I could feel the resentment just a little bit. I really could. I really could. Here's the question I want to ask you as you walked through your ABCs, was there a small part of you? Just, I mean, just a small. Was there a small part of you? That wanted to sing the song? Yeah. Yeah, some of, you, some of you were trying to hide it. You were like, I mean, I'm not being that person. But I mean, you know, it's in the key of D. I was saying my ABCs. I want to talk about that feeling for a second. You know why that feeling is there? Is because somewhere along your journey in life, if you had the privilege to do it, someone at a young age taught you a song. That you literally insert it into yourself and it sunk into your being. And let's not kid yourself, if you don't have your ABCs, there is a lot that you cannot do in the world. The same is for us in singing the words of God that have been passed down to us. Church, when you sing these words that we sung, when you let those sink deep into you, they stay with you in a unique way way together, that there is something to experience within that. I saw a tweet last week that I thought was so good. They go, as far as 2022 goes, I can't come up with one more new password or I will explode. And I was like, "Mm, amen to that. Amen to that. Here's why you can sing your ABCs over and over again, but you can't remember that password that you set up last week because what's repeated is value and what you do over and over again, especially with song, sinks deeply into you. If you feel like you're not growing in your faith right now, come into this room and sing words. It does something intrinsically to us that we don't even always know. And as a matter of fact, when we look at church history, this is proven over and over again. I need to tell you something, when it comes to Bible classes, there is no piece of scripture that mandates and shows you exactly how a Bible class is supposed to function. But here's one of the beautiful things. Christians, when saying, how do we make sure someone is truly formed into the image of Jesus, decided we need a setting where we are teaching people the ways of Jesus in a teach and taught environment back in. And forth and in church history, it was actually found that the reason that Bible classes exploded for a long time is not because everyone was like, man, I got to get myself to a Bible class right now. No, Bible classes were one of the avenues in the industrial revolution to get education. Like if you look further back, it was the place where hard skills were taught. And you look through church history, people that had no care for the church whatsoever would send their kids to church because they love that not only taught hard skills but it taught moral foundations that seeped into them which honestly is something for all of us to think about when bible classes are starting back up some of us got raised in an environment where we were always in it and we received it and we want that for our kids but if we're not consistently doing the same thing that our parents brought us into We can't expect to have that same moral foundation built into us. We need to be together because when we are together repeating God's words, it forms us. The early Christians devoted themselves to the words of God. But Luke is not done. He's going to tell you not only is it the words of God that people would get together, but it would be God's people themselves. Let me be a little transparent. I probably do the same thing that some of you do after church. Every once in a while, I will catch myself saying a phrase that goes something like this: "Yeah, I'm just not sure church did it for me today." You ever done that before? Am I the only sinner in the room? I'm the only one. Okay, cool. Thanks. Thanks for letting me know. Like every once in a while, I walk away from church and I'm like, "Man, I'm I'm kind of grading this. I'm kind I'm kind of." looking through it through my filter. And here's the thing that acts reveals to us and wakes us up to early Christians did not go to church. They did not gather for what church did for them. Early Christians got together because of what God had already done for them, that it was the place where God's words would come together in celebration of what Jesus had done early Christians believe that the invisible God was visible through Jesus, and that the life that Jesus lived was possible for us, that Jesus took on the worst sides of humanity, which we have as well, and still coming out of the grave on the other side represent God's forgiveness. And that what Jesus experienced is what one day anyone in his name would experience. And Christians found it uber important to get together and praise God for that. Sometimes we get stuck on does our gatherings meet our preferences? And that was never the intent in the first place. It wasn't about preference. It was about God's people getting together. If you wanna see all sides of God, you can't do it alone. You have to have other people with you. Have you heard of the website pickamovieforyou.com. Yeah, you didn't see that turn coming, did you? I was told about this during the holidays, and I thought it was a very weird concept, so I felt like I needed to go check it out. It is a website that is literally designed that it asks you six questions about yourself. Very simple, six exact questions. And the guarantee of the website is if you enter the six questions about yourself, it will spit out a movie perfectly designed for you. And I remember seeing it, I was like, no, 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 this can't be true. So, like, I actually tried it, right, because I I did it for all of us. So, I tried it, and it spit out the most perfect spy movie that I had never heard of before. Intense action thriller, like, would leave you, like, in bed with cold sweats that night. Like, that's my type of movie. Like, that's what I want. And I said, I can't believe that. I'm going to test it again. So I tried it again and it spit out another great movie for me and I said, this is ridiculous. So the third time I tried, that's right, I did it three times. The third time I tried it, I pretended to be my spouse and I was like, I'm going to get them this time. No, it spit out the perfect rom-com. And I'm just that because every time the pick a was right. Here's my point. We have perfected preference. Some of you have multiple streaming services that on a one platform will tell you your preferences before you even go to what you were looking to watch. We have mastered preference. Every day you wake up, there is something that is trying to calculate your preference and present it to you. If any reason alone you should come to church, is it is the one time a week that you get to practice not having things as your preference. It's good for your soul to not always have your preference, because when you don't embrace your preference, you get to see sides and explore things that you would never see otherwise. We don't self-select in the faith. The faith is passed down to us. Luke even talks about this. Luke, when painting a picture of Jesus and talking about the importance of people, this is how Luke starts one of the stories. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went to a synagogue as was his custom. Even Jesus went to gatherings of followers of belief. If anyone should be exempt from church, it should be the second person of the Trinity. Okay. Jesus should be able to walk around and be like, oh, I've seen much better. You know, I've seen much better. But he doesn't. He comes to be with the people of God. Why? Because loving the people of God is loving God. The two cannot be separated, church. If you want to say that you love God the way you love God, you love God's people. We love to throw around the biblical term for fellowship. And I think sometimes we think fellowship means that I really love associating with these people. Like, man, like I love brother and sister so and so. It's a good time every time we're together. No, no. Biblical fellowship just means this: fellowship is just sharing in the spirit that God has also shared with you. When the gathers, when the followers of Jesus get together, they are sharing in one spirit, in the same spirit, and it's important for them to be together. When they get together, they are people who sing God's words. They're people who are with other believers, and then finally. Acts tells us that they are also at God's table. The third thing that people said as far as church is that sometimes it's very difficult to come to church because of hurt. And I sympathize with that. I think there's a lot to people's story that sometimes we don't know. I think sometimes things are way more complicated than how we read them on the front. I actually remember when I was uh, discerning to come here, we were discerning to come here, uh, I remember being asked a question by the eldership that really caught me off guard. They said, um, "If you were to come here, like, what what's one of the uh, what's one of the things that you'll be carrying with you that's heavy? Like, what what's one of the struggles that you have in life?" And <laughs> like it, in that type of setting, you almost expect like an office like. Michael Scott like answer you know of like oh gosh well I don't know I I work really hard and I care too much and you know I probably do too you know (laughs) you expect that but like actually like I was very quick to the draw with a answer which surprised me uh and I remember telling the eldership very vulnerably uh you know I I really do wrestle with um with resentment towards some people that I've been in faith communities with uh like don't hear me wrong like I some of my most meaningful moments have been in church, um, but I, I've also had some of the meanest things said to me at church, and Jesus is constantly asking me to enter into forgiveness over and over again uh, with some of those wounds, uh, and I even remember walking out and being like, did I just really say that? It was like, wow, um, but it's true, and I think I'm not the only one. Like anyone that's in church for a while knows that we all carry some scars to do life together with. And let me make a note, like when I say scars, I'm not talking about things that are just absolutely unacceptable that need to be like spoken out in the name of Jesus. I'm not talking about corruption. I'm not talking about abuse. I'm not talking about any of those things. There's no place in God's church for those things. But we all, as we're doing life together, Sometimes we bump into each other. Sometimes things are really hard. Sometimes we misinterpret. Sometimes we say things without regarding how people may take them. That's part of God's people being together. But one of the most beautiful designs is that Acts reveals to us over and over again. It's this long story of God's people getting together and not being perfect. It is all them together gathering around the table of the perfect one. That can heal their imperfectness. That when Acts tries to tell us what the believers would do, they would say that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread. Now, some people have debated, this breaking of bread, is that more of like, we went like, to Tarka together, or is that more of like, is that communion? And most scholars would actually argue that it is communion itself, because Luke will identify it later as the difference between breaking bread and just having a meal together. But early Christians, we know, did this together. Because at God's table, there's something unique to be experienced about it. We can't forget that when you take that cup and when you take that bread, there's a confession that you are making in that. That there's something unique to experience in that moment of the bread and the cup together. That we're told from the Bible that when two or three gather together, especially in conflict to find restoration, there I am as well. That when we come to the table of people that are imperfect and sometimes we bump into each other, we say things we don't mean, we hurt each other. When we come to the table and make that confession, we see God in a unique way. So maybe let me say the one thing that maybe we forget sometimes. Like you know God can be experienced in here, right? Like when we get together, There are moments of comfort that you can receive that nothing else can give you. When you walk the hallways of the foyer, someone can ask you a question that can start and stop a direction in your life and turn it a different way. We can't forget that God has not left us when we are together, but we're promised that he's with us as we get together. There's something to be received here when we get together. If you want to see all sides of God, It takes all of us together to be able to reveal it. We sing God's words together. We gather with God's people together. And most importantly, we come around God's table together to be able to confess it. So practically, how do we keep people who continue to be together, especially when things are just uber complicated, all of us are just wanting normal and we can't get normal. How do we do this? There's gonna be three ways. Here's the first how of how we could do this. I kind of see this as like a stair step, like a one, two, three, okay? You don't don't have to do all three, okay? If you're a go-getter, like go for three. Um, But I'm going to give you three different ways to be able to be together. First this week is just reach out to someone. This could be really simple. Here's the first way that this is really simple here. Ask someone next week to sit with you or ask someone if you can sit with them next week. This should be what we are doing every single week as a church, we should be asking. People should be just like, oh my goodness, they keep asking like, do I need someone to sit with? We should be doing that. Another way to do this is just have it on your radar. I'm gonna reach out to so-and-so this week. I'm gonna text them, I'm gonna give them a call. I'm just gonna let them know that even when we're apart, I'm still together with them connected through this. That's one way. The second way is this. Include someone in something you're doing this week. Okay, I think I've gotten to the fatigue of commitments that like, do I want cheese on top of my taco is exhausting to me. Like, I don't know if I want to commit to that. Okay, I think we're all commitment fatigue. I thought that was funny. I, I really did. I, that just, that was off the cuff. I, I know, not, not good. All right, but invite someone to do something with you. Here's the thing. Are you going to get groceries this week? Why not bring someone with you when you get groceries? Why not go and get groceries together? Are you gonna take the kids to the park this week? Then take someone else or another family to the park with you. Like, find simple ways that are already within your rhythm to include each other and overlap with it, okay? So that's the second one, include someone. All right, and if you're feeling really ambitious, here we go, number three. Commit to helping someone else's ability to gather. Now I can make this ask very clear for us in this church. We have two ways that we need help in this gathering on Sunday mornings. The first one is this. We have been really blessed to be able to open more children's environments as we've gone, but we have not been able to open up every children's environment. One of the things we really need is we need 10 people who would be willing one Sunday a month, to work the nursery and specifically, we really need some help with first service, which I'm just saying, like, if you know, you're in second service right now, then, you know, you're not going to miss out on worship. You can go first. Service. Anyway, so you get what I'm saying, but we need 10 people who would be willing to step up and just say, Hey, I'll cover once a month in the nursery. I'll do it for us to be able to provide this for families. Cause it really matters to be able to come to church and have some help. that's what we need we need 10 people that's the first one the second one is this we need 12 people to be able to be willing to serve communion because of all the shuffling that we've done with time we are really needing some people who would be willing to serve communion now what that commitment looks like is we just need you to say for one month hey I will be here I will pass a tray, because it matters for people who are checking us out. It's a matter of hospitality for us to be able to say, hey, when someone comes, communion will be served to them. And we're just needing some people to say, I'll cover on this month, I'll cover on this month. And if you're like, you know, I may be out of town one week, like, we'll get that figured out. Like, Jack, we'll get that figured out. Right? Like, we've always done it. We've always done it. it, even if you're like, ah, the schedule's kinda tight, like talk to us, okay? We need that. So we need people in the nursery and we need people for communion. If you wanna help with either of these two, Jack, I wasn't mean to call you out, don't talk to Jack, okay? I mean, you can talk to Jack, ask him how his day's doing, but don't put all communion on. If you wanna sign up for one of those things, go out into the foyer and there'll be someone at the back table that will answer any questions about children's ministry or communion Or they'll help you with the sign up of it. But we need help in these two areas. So these are the three things that we have. Reach out to someone this week. Include someone in something you're doing. Or commit to helping someone else's gathering in and of itself. Here's what I want to leave you with, church. Scripture tells us that when we gather together, something is very mysterious and unique about what we do. I have a friend that loves to say it this way. He says, church is like the closet of Narnia. When you look at the wardrobe from the outside, it looks dusty. It looks old. And it looks like there's nothing there that would really be special. But it's only when you open the doors do you experience a new world and different world. That is the mystery of church. When we gather together, there's something that happens between us and between God. Don't lose the strength and endurance that it takes this year to gather together because it's not intention. It's all about decision. Uh, Dan, would you mind coming up and blessing us out today? Dan's one of our elders and leaders of this church. He's going to bless us as we go.